0: Hello, welcome to PSR, People Speaking Rail, and Joanna. You got your laptop to work. I can see you fine.
1: <laughs> no, this is actually my phone.
0: That was <laughs> your phone. Okay. I have to
1: figure out how to work the laptop. So uh, maybe sometime three weeks from now, it'll be all good. Or we might just be using my phone. <laughs> so
0: okay. I yeah, why technology. I look so good. Like it, that, that explains it. The, the the that, that explains why you, why you look so clear. I mean the the cameras on the phones these days, um, they yeah, put like a thousand yeah. dollar camera on a, on a phone. Uh, but um, good to see you at any event. And uh, you've been doing the um, sort of thankless job of going through all the earnings reports, listening to all the conference calls, the many questions um, at a high level. What are your takeaways so far? Let's
1: see. So, so far, so, so, so far only uh, as, as of um tuesday uh afternoon um only um union pacific and um csx have reported earnings uh but Mm -hmm. interestingly they were actually fairly there were some fairly similar themes i mean one is um you know the idea of uh what is it now like trying to to get more input from those closer to the operations whether not necessarily um those kind of on the ground but like kind of more closer to uh might be might have more of a sense of of um mm-hmm. you know how things are running um mm-hmm. and 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 getting their input more i mean both both UP and CSX kind of mentioned that as as possibilities as a way to um, to 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 cut costs but also just kind of you know, reduce any potential red tape that might be, you know, happening in operations. So that's one thing. The other interesting thing between both calls is that um, you had two industry veterans separately um, being part of their calls for the first time. So you had um, mm-hmm. Jim Venna at UP, um, assuming, you know, with his new role as CEO, um, even though he's been with UP before, um, but, you know, and so, there was still I think a sense of trying to, to among the investors anyway of like kind of trying to feel him out um in terms of where he might stand on things and that's kind of where he mentioned sort of the cutting the red tape. And then you also had um uh oh my gosh my just even I feel bad but uh the the CSX um Mike Corey sorry uh in mm-hmm. um Assuming the uh, the the chief operating officer role, um, who and uh, Mike had been at uh, CN uh, for quite some time, uh, you know before you know um, leaving in 2019, and then, then doing something else, and then you know came back um, and replaced the um, you know Jeremy Boychuk, um, and so it was interesting that a lot of investor questions were kind of also kind of at you know kind of trying to get his tried to, to get a sense of of where um you know he he might stand on you know on on operations and then cost cutting and then stuff like that um it was kind of interesting as a side note, like you know, the uh you know, one of the investor questions, I'm, par- I'm totally paraphrasing this, but when, you know, one of the investor questions was like, So um, you know, you know, mm-hmm. thinking about your failures at CN, what what would you like to do differently at CSX? And then you know, you know, Mike was responding, well, wait, nice uh, nice to you know rub salt in the wound, you know, kind of thing. But I mean mm-hmm. he didn't say mm-hmm. that either, but it's just kind of um, I just thought that dialogue was kind of interesting. I'm paraphrasing both the, the investor and, and Mike, but um, but it was just kind of interesting just to see, you know, I guess the questions were kind of looking at like, you know, uh, if you know, CN right now is is position has positioned itself as a growth railroad post, you know, precision scheduled railroading. Um, CSX mm-hmm. would like to be in that position if it's not in that position already, and so you know, how does um, you know, my query fit into this picture, so uh that's those are the two kind of um, uh, main impressions I got from from you know comparing both calls,
0: yeah, I thought there were a lot of similarities as well um you know you, you bring up all the point about the the former c n alums, you also saw some similarities in terms of. Just financial statistics, like the operating ratio went from sort of just under 60% on both of them to sort of, what was it, UP 63, 4, I think it was something similar at, at CSX. And so it, it almost seems like we're maybe starting to head into a period where there's gonna be less focus on operating ratio. I think there was probably too much focus on operating ratio um, for however many, you know, the previous years. and And now we're sort of in this period where there is more focus on service. Um, there's, more, there's more focus on just having the resources in place. There was one of the executives, um, you know, was talking about how they were gonna have uh, sort of, you know, extra resources for when things, you know, do go wrong, whether that's a, sort of a snowstorm in Chicago or just congestion, in a certain part of the network. So I thought that was um, as interesting. Have a financial table on, on Union Pacific if, if we could get that up. Um, so, so, so there's that, and, and kind of the one thing that that stands out. Well, a few, a few things stand out. I mean, one of those things is that the um, you know, industrial economy is still pretty weak. If Carlos are down, um, you know, two point seven percent, I guess that includes intermodal. Um, but um, you know, the the consumer side of the business, which which is is, is is intermodal, you know, that's that's worse than the industrial side. So you see intermodal shipments down five point nine percent. You know this is union pacific they do a lot of international intermodal in addition to um domestic uh, I- intermodal and that the other one that revenue intermodal revenue per car down 12.7 percent Now that does include fuel it's still a lot of pricing pressure on intermodal and you see kind of the results of that um you know eps down 17 percent. it was down a similar percentage at CSX, and then you see um, that OR you know, incre- un- unfavorably increasing um, you know, 580 uh, you know, basis points uh, year over over year. Well, maybe it's not quite that much, um, 350 basis points uh, year over year. So, um, you know, all, all those things. I think um, you know it wasn't a surprise last week to the street because Union Pacific had already talked down, uh, you know, some of these, you know, some of these numbers. Another um, you know, stat that's that's not on there, but um, I had my notes. Is that uh, Union Pacific had two and a half percent more employees on three point nine percent fewer um, revenue ton miles, and so fewer, you know, revenue ton miles is a good measure of how much work the railroad is actually, you know, doing. So we'll call it four percent fewer ton miles, two and a half percent more employees, and we know that those employees are getting paid more um, after the negotiation last year. So you do have some inefficiencies. Uh, there, uh, in in terms of um, matching the the costs with the with the revenue, um, you know, but I did think that, you know, sort of across the board, uh, the the service um, metrics looked pretty good. Sort of service and um, productivity metrics in terms of how productive the companies are using their um, you know equipment. Union Pacific said freight car velocity of five percent, locomotive product productivity up up 4%. Um, and then I would also agree with you, um, you know, that, that that comment from from Jim, Jim Venna was interesting that you can't have, he said you can't have nine levels between the CEO and the people actually doing the work on the front lines. It's, it's just, there's just too much of a disconnect in terms of what actually um, is causing some of those congestion points, you know, what, what it could actually be improved in the operations on a day-to-day basis. Um, and so they want to streamline that um, so the so people who are ultimately managing the operations at a high level really understand what's happening, um, you know, at, at, at the ground. Um, you know, that was, you know, that was interesting um, as, as well. And then, you know, there's another, another interesting, um, you know, quote from from uh, Union Pacific is said, you know, the, the Kansas, um, or Canadian Pacific, Kansas City, uh, Southern, you know, might have an advantage in the OD pairings um, because now they have such a broad reach. Uh, but Union Pacific's advantage is is just hit really its its network going through the 23 states, a lot of the states that are faster growing um, in terms of, you know, speaking about intermodal, uh, you know, growth. So, so, so all things considered, um, you know, there's some, a lot of these numbers are, are are adverse versus they were a year ago, but I don't think there were any big shocks, uh, you know, last week.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think so. And I think I think everyone's pretty much expecting, at least for for rail. Um, uh, i i don't think anyone's really expecting anything um um particularly explosive to happen <laughs> i mean in terms of like you know in terms of like what you know i think everyone's just you know this is this isn't the 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 best quarter um but you know things get you know yeah so um yeah uh
0: yeah, if we want to put up the, the csx uh financial table uh you know some some similar you know things there that to to, to call out uh so there are similar decline in, in eps so there's just down a little bit more you know down 19 this percent. this is csx looking at the third quarter of 23 versus the previous the previous year uh but you do see uh some you know operating you know statistic improvements with you know train velocity up 11.4 percent terminal dwell down Nineteen percent they also called out not in that table, but the intermodal trip plan trip plan compliance was ninety four percent in the third quarter that 's up from ninety percent in a year ago, and that 's something that i 've heard anecdotally uh, you know, some of the people we 've had on this show you know usually ask about rail service if that 's something that pertains to them let 's say if they 're a shipper. And most of those shippers have said well, the rail service has been pretty strong, and the ones that they call out as being um, is really making a lot of progress there. It, you know, has been has been CSX. Another interesting thing that CSX, um, you know, coming out of their earnings, they said there's a really a big difference between the international intermodal side and the domestic intermodal side. So they're seeing domestic intermodal volume growth that's turned positive, um, but it's still sharply negative for international intermodal. And uh, some of the reasons for that is um, the, you know, still sort of uncertain container demand, uh, sort of some weakness in the imports that's hitting, it hits the the international side, you know, more than the domestic side, Um, they credit some of the growth in partnerships with the truckload based um, intermodal companies as helping to grow that domestic. Uh, intermodal volume they believe schneider is a a big partner of their um you know in the east but 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 then they say you know sort of countering that to to some extent is that there's still ample truck capacity that remains a headwind that's a big deal um you know specifically for the eastern class one um railroads because you know really all of their lanes are competitive with the highway you think of something like chicago to atlanta being you know, just about a one-day um, you know trip on the on the highway. Um, you know, sort of Chicago to you know the New York area, being about two-day trip on the highway. So all those are very competitive. Um, you know, with with, with with the highway. So there's there's those pressures. Um, and then uh, you know, it's kind of an interesting quote from uh, the chief commercial officer Kevin Boone. He says, "You have Western Class ones going after the Mexico business." they can participate in that um, and, and willing to work with them. They said there's a lot of, of, of momentum with working um, to create opportunities and, and intermodal, um, and for decades they've been pushing volume. Uh, the volume of, for decades, they said, has been going off of the railroad and onto truck. They so they're going to work with some partners to reverse that trend uh so csx is, is you know seems to be talking a good game on on service levels but there's also some statistics there that i think sort of back that up that service levels um have have improved uh would you agree with that
1: yeah i would think so And i mean i think even you know and it's not even just you know uh you the that's noticed that um you know i i think you know um service board surface transportation board chairman marty oberman um, had mentioned, I, I think, you know that you know, uh, actually, it's it's with the STB um, uh, requirements to the four class one, four U.S. U.S. based class one railroads, um, uh, asking you know for for them to submit um, on a regular basis uh, service data. This is kind of based on what happened in the spring of of uh, 2022, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think. You know, CSX was, uh, you know, Sara was was the company that STB um, cited as you know not having to uh, fulfill um, all those data requirements any longer um, uh, for, for that particular um, uh, pr- proceeding uh, because the service has improved for them. So, um, it's sort of my long way of saying that that STB and mm-hmm. and and, uh, and Chairman Marty Obran have noticed that CSX's service has improved.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, the STB is now requiring those railroad um, you know service metrics, which you know I've been monitoring specifically the intermodal delay days, and those have really gotten a lot better. So a lot fewer rail cars are being delayed. Um, I Want to turn to another company that benefits from you know, rail service? That's JB Hunt. JB Hunt reported last week. That was one of the only ones I saw that um, surprised the market. That that stock was down after uh, reported, um, but did uh, so there were some positives in that uh, report. So I'll call out a few of these here. They said there was a one percent increase in JB Hunt intermodal volume. They say they're taking share, um, as you can imagine. Transcon doing better with in volume than the eastern one. That's just more insulated from the, the trucking competition. Their average length of haul is about seventeen hundred miles. So overall their intermodal is pretty well insulated um, from the, the tr- loose truckload market. They, you know, that that um, LA to Chicago corridor being far and away the, the densest uh, for them on BNSF. Um, but uh, that 1% increase in in J.B. Hunt uh, volume, they say that represented taking a market share. And I would agree with that um, based on what we're seeing in Sonar, have a, have a domestic uh, rail container volume uh, chart for the loaded volume, if we could get that up there. and. Um, it's going to be the, the, the previous one, uh, the, the, uh, yeah, so this one here. So this showed in the third quarter, if we're just looking at sort of July through the end of September, July 1st through September 30th, the volume on the domestic side, these are loaded 53-foot containers. So very much the, the industry that J.B. Hunt competes in, that was down about 1%. Year-over-year, J.B. Hunt saying they were plus one um, and taking some share. so I would agree with that. And then the other thing that's interesting here is you look at October, and volumes have been pretty solid in October. Now, that may be as high as they go. October is traditionally the the peak month for um, intermodal volume, but still, it's about up about four percent year over year in the first 23 days of october so um, there is some 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 volume surge there Uh, carriers like jb hunt would say well there's still plenty of excess capacity remember earlier in the year they talked about having a 15 or 20 percent excess capacity Um, but that was something that they talked about on their earnings call as well as uh, being sort of a a positive leading indicator Uh, they, they talk about intermodal volume you know, being a little bit of being a leading indicator and pricing as being a lagging indicator. Uh, and, you know, on the capacity side, one thing that was interesting is is in their financial grid, they, they called out how that they have 117,387 pieces of tra- average trailing equipment in the quarter. So primarily domestic containers um, and the usage was 96,000. So that suggests 82 percent. Of their trailing equipment utilized year to year to date it was only eighty point five percent, so um, you, you know still a, a lot of latent capacity there. Going by counts of uh, pieces of equipment, the year ago period it was ninety six point five percent utilized, so um, much more slack in the system in terms of available capacity in the domestic intermodal industry than there was a year ago. Uh, so I think that. Is um, is is important, and then uh, want to highlight our, uh the next chart that you know, intermodal contract rates, uh, which you know this is domestic intermodal um, you know contracts. This this excludes fuel surcharge. And I do see it kind of go up and down from week to week, and you know part of the reason for that is just it's just you know mix of you know what's what's in that. Um, there's not a consistent mix of of um, transactions every week. But if you looked at the third quarter overall, that white line uh, from from July 1st uh, through September 30th, compare that to a year ago period. Um, you know, I, I have it down 17 percent year over year, whereas um, JB Hunt said theirs was down about 14 uh, percent year over year. So, so, so pretty consistent. Um, always going to be changes in mix, you know, versus what we see versus what they're actually you know moving and you know some of transactions that go into that chart. Or not being moved by JB Hunt moved by you know hub group or Schneider or somebody else um, but uh, it really ha- sort of highlights the, the intermodal pricing pressure versus a year ago and I think that's may, might have been what surprised the street and the associated margin compression which is where what most of the analysts asked about was the outlook for for, for margins uh, you know a lot of pricing pressure like, guys yeah, just gonna float straight through to the, to, to the margin so that's not really a, a, a surprise um, so that's a little bit of what's going on with you um, you know jb hunt and the intermodal uh industry and i know you joanna you're going to plan. you're planning on writing up the um equipment suppliers uh earnings reports and and what they are reporting did you have a chance to listen to uh GATX or- earlier today
1: yeah i did a little bit i mean i think um I'm trying to think i mean i think there, there's still i mean obviously you know, there's always going to be a bit of a spin on things. And so, um, you know, I I didn't really hear anything um, alarming in terms of of where they view the market. And I I think it's kind of in line with what they've said um, in past earnings calls in terms of um, Mm -hmm. demand Mm -hmm. and and just kind of um, it was an interesting question about inflation and, and how um I don't know if it's necessarily newsworthy, but it's interesting for me like in the sense of like sometimes like higher f- inflation can actually benefit uh, lease rates because um you know the the mm-hmm. higher inflation might be might add too much cost for a new rail car but it might you know make uh leasing a more attractive option so um I thought that was interesting. And uh, so yeah but yeah GATX was Tuesday morning and then um uh Labtech was just slightly different but you know uh still within the same broader space. Um, is Wednesday morning, um, and Greenbrier Rail or Greenbrier Companies um, is uh, also Wednesday morning, and um, so yeah, we'll try to write them all up. And then Trinity Industries is actually not for another week and a half, um, so mm-hmm. and then Freight Car mm-hmm. America is like you know usually they usually report like further down the road. So, uh, so yeah, we're still kind of in the thick of of earnings season, at least for for both rail equipment manufacturers and and the Class One railroads.
0: Yeah, it seemed like there wasn't anything too surprising in GATX. I mean, it seemed pretty consistent with what we heard previous quarters. So there really hasn't been any loosening in that market, even though, um, you know, rail traffic has been a little bit weak. Um, You know, so many of the rail cars are just very specific to what is being hauled. So you can have, you know, looseness in some areas, tightness in in other areas. And GATX always um, does a nice job of sort of rebalancing its portfolio of um, rail cars to not get caught with too many that are, you know, have, have a weakening demand. I saw that CEO, you know, Bob Lyons, that was consistent with his initial outlook, you know, in, in the quarter, they have this lease price index, which everyone watches very closely. Um, and that was up 33.4%. And so what they do is they compare the, the rates on new leases with rates on expiring leases. And so it's 33% higher on the new leases. Um, and then they have an the average renewal of 65 months. Um, so call it, five years and and, and five months, and they're continuing to lengthen the lease terms on many of those car types. And so what that tells you is that they think that the lease rates are currently higher than what would be sort of the long run equilibrium point. And, And so the idea is to extend out those lease terms for longest period possible sort of lock in um in in those lease payments and 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 cash flows they also said the fleet utilization was 99.3 at the end of the quarter and the renewal success rate was 83.6 percent so most um uh, the shippers renewing their their leases and um you know still seems like the fundamentals in that um in in that uh industry you know still pretty um still pretty solid Mm You also wrote up an article recently about um is combining data streams help help um you know combat illicit trade in the in the container shipping. Um you know what can you tell us about about that? I thought that was an interesting one. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. Um so it was kind of looking I, I think their their main purpose. It was was it, it was Deloitte and um, Nexio or Nexio, I don't know if I'm pronouncing, mispronouncing it. I apologize. Um, but uh, it was looking at um, the the Know Your Client service of, that Deloitte has, and and how can you expand that offering? You know, combining it with, with Nexio to um, to address um, illicit trade that happens um, from containers mainly. Um, and uh, and uh, particularly um, at the ports, um, even though, uh, so it's just kind of using that existing sort of supply chain data, kind of looking to see you know the end to end shipments and you know and just kind of see where where containers are, but sort of matching that also with um, financials associated with those containers. So it might be like insur- insurance insurance um, associated with the goods or um, or with the container, and and also. Um, you know and and also um the 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 devices on the container that sort of track whether it's been opened or not um and so but again mm-hmm. the whole broader mm-hmm. idea is um uh to um sort of address the illicit trade that happens um and you think about uh you know all those the, the cross border shipments and, and and all and Sounds, <laughs> the obvious point of the, the week you know I mean there's just so much stuff that moves and and and, and lots of things that moves and you could mm-hmm. have so mm-hmm. so so much data and so like and so how you know what what can you use to to ensure that um, that uh, what is in the container is actually in the container and not some contraband or you know some crazy thing like mm-hmm. fireworks mm-hmm. or something uh, yeah so so it was interesting to to, to write about
0: yeah, and it seems more important now than ever with all the, the geopolitical uncertainty. You know, I want to make sure no one is illegally selling arms to Iran or somebody. Um, and then the other thing that's interesting is, you know, I, I hear a lot from uh, customers on the data side that, you know, there's a lack of visibility, um, you know, once the once the container ship hits the the, the um, docking point where they, they know exactly, like, kind of where, you know, what ship their container is on, and they know they can track that that container ship. But then there's kind of a black box once the, the ship pulls into the harbor as to how long that container is going to sit on the rail yard. Um, and they don't know whether that's going to be one day or, or six days. So, so that's something that um, you know, hopefully they can address uh, too. So encourage people to read that article. Um, you know, Next week, we're going to have Dan Walsh, CEO of Track Intermodal on the show. So we'll um, really dig into the chassis leasing markets um and see whether there could be another chassis leasing leasing shortage um you know what his expectations are for the market all of those things so i encourage everyone to tune in uh next uh week um and with that i hope everyone has a great day